welcome to General Conference Conversations, where we have conversations about General Conference. I'm your host, Kaylin, and I'm super excited to be here with you studying the words of Christ's chosen leaders. I hope you enjoy. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of General Conference Conversations. I am super excited about the talk today. I know I say that pretty much every episode, but I really, really, really enjoyed this talk a lot. Um, and so I'm super excited to talk about it with you guys. Um, so, oh, before I start, because I was like, I have something that I need to say. Um, I did get the um, Saturday afternoon session study guide complete uh so it is up um both on my website and on etsy as well um and the link for those will be in in the description um as with the saturday morning session it will just be a digital download for now um with just the individual sessions will just be download but my goal and I know I've been saying this for like weeks now but my goal is to have that whole study guide done by the end of the week um which is a big goal but I'm motivated I am excited so I'm working on that and I'm working on getting all of that ready so that um hopefully I can get physical copies made up I think I found a place that I can do that and they shouldn't be too expensive, which is very, very exciting. So once I have all of that information, I'll let y'all know. Um, but then I, I also put them up on Etsy, um, just so they were easier to kind of do. Um, if you've been on my website at all, I can only take uh, US dollars through my website, US currency. And so for all my non-US listeners, or Etsy's just more comfortable, like you're just more um familiar with etsy then they're also up there also as digital downloads so uh yes i'm excited about that <clears throat> got that all done up last night so that's up and i'll be posting about that on my social media today which will be yesterday for you guys um with all of the information for that so that's exciting um speaking of Saturday afternoon session. So we have three more talks in Saturday afternoon session, this one and then two more. So we're gonna have a episode, today's episode coming out, one on Friday and then one on Tuesday. And then I'm gonna take a couple weeks break for Christmas and New Year's. And I will be back in January with the Saturday evening session. Um, so I'll obviously remind you and yeah. It, it won't be a very long break, just so that I can kind of catch up and spend the holidays with my family. So, but today we're talking about um, Elder McConkie's talk, and they sought to see Jesus who he was. And um, I just really, really enjoyed this talk. I reread it a few days ago for this and to you know get all my thoughts together. And I honestly had forgotten about this talk. Um, it's been a few months now since conference, um, like two months now since conference. And so I'm starting to like 
forget what the topics were about because it's been a while. So um, I really enjoyed rereading this and, and being reminded of it. Um, and it's just so good. So he starts out by talking about, oh, sorry. You all know this, but I always throw this in. I encourage you to listen to or read this talk first um, before you come and, and listen to me ramble on about it. Um, so that you can get your own impressions and your own um, promptings and maybe even some questions that I can answer, help answer, help point you in the right direction or add to because uh, life's all about questions, right? Okay, so I'm gonna jump in. <laughs> um, he talks about being mission leaders. Uh, he and his wife were mission leaders in the Czechoslovak mission in 2013. And um, their four children served with them. And they, he quotes, um, other Joseph B. Worthlin, a talk that he gave called The Great Commandment. Um, <clears throat> sorry, <coughs> I got something in my throat. So, he says, in a talk titled The Great Commandment, Elder Worthlin asked, do you love the Lord? His counsel to those of us who would answer yes was simple and profound. Spend time with him, meditate on his words, take his yoke upon you, seek to understand and obey. Other Worthen then promised transformative blessings to those willing to give time and place to Jesus Christ. And so he talks about that, that um, his family and the mission as the new mission leaders took that promise to heart and they spent time with Jesus in the scriptures. Um, and he talked about, he talks about the five gospels, which I thought was really sweet. Um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and third Nephi in the Book of Mormon. Um, and he, one of the footnotes, because I was like, hmm, that's interesting, I never heard them referred to as like the five gospels before. He refers to the um, gospels uh, Bible dictionary entry. And basically he quotes that and then um, a couple other things as well. But he basically says, you know, the, the word gospel means good news. Gospels were also Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, they that that told the the life of Christ. Um, and the gospel means good news, right? The good news of the atonement, the good news of the Messiah, the good news of the Savior. And so that's obviously Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the gospels, right? Um, and then he talks about third Nephi recorded by Nephi, the grandson of Helaman, is the record of the appearance and teaching of the resurrected Christ in the Americas. And so he did a lot of the same things as he did in the, the New Testament of, you know, performing miracles and teaching of his father and his plan um, and talking about, you know, the atonement and crucifixion. Um, and so and he says, therefore, may also be referred to as a gospel. Um, 
And so um, I, as I was reading this, it reminded me a lot as a missionary, and I know I talk about my mission a lot, but it's where a lot of my spiritual growth happened. And so I have a lot of stories from that time, but there was uh, when I was in the MTC specifically. Um, I knew I wanted to go on a mission because I had experiences with God and with the scriptures and with prayer um, during my high school years. And I had seen the power of what I now know of the atonement in my life at that point. And I wanted other people to be that happy. I wanted people to know the peace and the joy that came from knowing my savior, their savior. And when I got to the MTC, I realized that I didn't really have a relationship with Christ specifically. I had a relationship with God. Um, but I had a lot of fellow missionaries in the MTC who would talk about, you know, I, I love my savior and I have such a good relationship with my savior and I know him so well, I know Christ so well. And it was like every, I swear, every testimony meeting, every opportunity another missionary had to talk about their like experience of the MTC was always about how close they'd come to their savior. And I was like, I don't have a relationship with Christ. And that was something that really scared me because I was like, well, then how am I supposed to be a missionary <laughs> as, you know, a representative of Jesus Christ with his name on my chest and not have a relationship with him. And I remember talking to um, my companions and also the sisters that were my district that five of us got really close. And I remember like admitting that to them late at night before we were going to bed at one night. And I was like, I... I don't, and they were like, well, what do you mean? And I was like, well, when I pray, I pray to God. Like I, 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 I talk to Heavenly Father. I don't talk to Christ. Like I don't, I don't imagine him there, if that makes any sense. And so, you know, all of the power and all of the experiences that I had had, the spiritual experiences with the scriptures and all of that um, were with Heavenly Father and like the Holy Ghost. Um, but not necessarily with Jesus Christ. I knew like his importance, obviously, in the plan of salvation and that he was even why I was able to talk to Heavenly Father in the first place. I did so in his name. Like I, I knew all that logically, um, but I didn't have that faith, that faith and that hope in him specifically in the atonement. And so I made it my kind of goal <laughs> to work on my relationship with, with Jesus. And in the MTC specifically, but also as a missionary, definitely exploded as a missionary. And um, I, one of the things I did that I distinctly remember doing was writing down a lot of, a bunch of the names of Christ that I enjoyed, that I loved. I still have this note on my gospel library. I had gone through all the names of Christ and written down the ones that stuck out to me and the ones that like meant the most to me to, to find that connection with him and to learn more about his life. And then through out my mission, reading the Book of Mormon and, you know, as I talked about a few episodes ago, my mission president 
encouraged us, um, challenged us to read the Book of Mormon from cover to cover and mark mentions of Christ, his attributes, and his words. <clears throat> and in doing that, I learned a lot about him as well. I spent time with him. I spent time with him in the Book of Mormon. I spent time with him in the New Testament. I spent time with him in other people's homes, seeing him change their lives and change my life. Um, my life, a lot of crazy things happened on my mission. Um, my home life was really crazy. COVID hit was really crazy. And so I love that, just that one sentence from Elder Worth, like, spend time with Christ. To spend time with Jesus. And... So that's my first question for you, is how do you spend time with the Lord? How do you spend time with Jesus? And it will look different for everybody. Uh, mine, I love the scriptures. I, I adore the Book of Mormon. I can sit and read and get a lot out of the book. Not always, but on, on, on a good day. <laughs> I can sit and read chapter after chapter and really like devour it. And that's where I've gotten a lot of my knowledge and a lot of the relationship with God, with, with God and with Christ. But that's also changed in the last few years since I've been home from my mission. I don't read as much. I don't have as much time to read um, my scriptures. But um, the temple is a huge place for me. I also listen to podcasts. I also do a podcast. But, like, I listen to podcasts. Um, you know, Come Follow Me podcasts that go along with that week's chapters. And... Um, or that don't go along with those week's chapters that talk about aspects of the gospel and make me think about things and research things and really like ponder on things and make me think of things in th think about things in ways that I never had before. Um, and that's how I spend time with the Lord. And prayer is a big one, of course, actually, you know, talking to Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ both. Um, I was actually just looking at next year's Come Follow Me manual is the New Testament. We're back at the beginning. This is the, the book that we started with four years ago. Um, and the first week, cause I, so I teach primary and so I was like, oh, I'm going to teach the first week of the year. Like, what is, what is, do we jump right in? Like, is there something else? Um, it is... So it's the week after Christmas, so it's December 26th through January 1st, because New Year's Day is on a Sunday. And it's about, I'm trying to remember what it's called, like the actual name is like, um, our learning is our responsibility, or something like that. And so it's along those same lines of like spending time in the scriptures and spending time with Jesus Christ. And especially in the New Testament, obviously, um, the four Gospels go for quite a few months <laughs> because there's four of them um, and they make up a good chunk of the New Testament. Um, and so that's my goal for next year is to really spend time with Christ. I slacked a lot on the Old Testament this year. I, I think I made it to like May actually keeping up and then I really fell behind um and I haven't caught back up I just kind of go on the week that I'm that we're currently on but he says a little bit later 
um, that, that this is, this is what they did. He says, so I'm trying to figure out where I want to start. Um, for me, for Laurel, who's his wife, and for our missionaries, spending time with Jesus and the scriptures changed everything. We gained a deeper appreciation for who he was and what was important to him. Together, we considered how he taught, what he taught, the ways he showed love, what he did to bless and serve, his miracles, how he responded to betrayal, what he did with difficult human emotions, his titles and names, how he listened, how he resolved conflict, the world he lived in, his parables, how he encouraged unity and kindness, his capacity to forgive and to heal, his sermons, his prayers, his atoning sacrifice, his resurrection, his gospel. That's a really long list of stuff, <laughs> but I really liked all of, I, I really like having it all kind of listed out like that. And so for me, that's my, my goal for the New Testament next year is to pick out a few of those things because I don't think I'll be able to concentrate on all of them, <laughs> but at least a few of them um, that, you know, apply to my life and, uh, and stand out to me and I feel inspired to, to look for just off the top of my head, how he taught. I'm a primary teacher. Like, how do I teach my kids, my adorable little, my adorable little tiny primary children? How do I teach them the way, the way God taught them? Uh, sorry, the way Jesus taught, you know, how, how can I, how can I do that in, in, in the way that, in the way that Jesus did? Um, the other one that really stuck out to me is what he did with difficult human emotions. Um, and I'll talk about this a little bit more later, but seeing Christ as, as a human being, like he came to earth, like, yes, he was part, he was divine, but there was a reason he came to earth was to experience mortality so that he would have that empathy um, in a way that somebody who hadn't you know didn't have a body experience pain and hunger and sadness and despair and joy and things like that wouldn't necessarily completely understand to the same extent as someone who hadn't done that before um those are the two that stood out to me but all of those i thought were really good like how he listened and how he resolved conflict and how he responded to betrayal like those are all really really cool things that can all apply to our lives that we can, there are very tangible things, right? It's not just like, oh, be like Jesus. Well, okay, what was Jesus like? <laughs> like, that's a very broad thing to have those narrowed down into smaller things and be like, okay, well, when I feel betrayal in my life or when I come across hard emotions, what would Jesus do in this particular situation? And we have a lot of examples of that in, in the scriptures. So, um... So right after this, this kind of goes along with what I was saying just now. Um, he he compares them to Zacchaeus who ran to climb the sycamore tree to see Jesus. Um, uh, and he quotes Luke. He says, "We sought to he sought to see Jesus who he was." He says, "It was not Jesus as we wanted." Or wished him to be but rather Jesus as he really was and is 
And that that also hit me very powerfully of, um, you know, not who the world says he is, not who, not who we want him to be, not to fit some political or social agenda, not to hit some personal agenda either, but who he was as a person. Um, there was something... Yes. So he quotes, this is a footnote six that I'm reading. Um, he quotes, he says, President, the, the footnote says, President J. Reuben Clark similarly encouraged the study of the life of the Savior as an actual personality. He invited others to be in the scriptural accounts of Jesus Christ's life, to try and go along with the Savior, live with him, let him be an actual man, half divine, of course, but nevertheless moving as a man moved in those days. He furthermore promised that such an effort will give you such a view of him, such an intimacy with him, and I think you can get in no other way. Learn what he did, what he thought, what he taught, do, do as he did, live as he lived, so far as we can. He was the perfect man. And um, I think context really matters. And of course, I do not understand a lot of like customs. Um, you know, a lot of the parables and the stories in the New Testament and the Old Testament have a lot to do with the culture of the people that they're being recorded by. And so a lot of times it's hard for me to read the Old and New Testament not so much of the Book of Mormon, even though there is a little bit of, you know, culture in there, but usually it's pretty, like, explained. The Old New Testament, I feel like it was just like, yes, this is what happened. And I was like, okay, but why is that important? You know, why is this symbol such a big deal? Why is this happening? Was this a custom? Was this a thing that you did? That's really kind of strange. And, <clears throat> um, but as I was saying earlier, to look at Christ as a person as somebody who felt and had friends, had nicknames for his friends, like he had nicknames for the 12 apostles. And to understand him as a person and not just obviously his divine birthright and the God that he is, but to see him as, as a human being, as, as having a personality, as having humor. Um, there's a couple of things that that reminded me of was one, The Chosen. If you haven't watched The Chosen, please watch The Chosen. It's so good. And it shows Christ in that very uh, realistic way. Um, you know, sleeping in the woods and having no place to lay his head. And the humor that he has and the jokes that he makes and the kindness that he shows there's one particular episode, and I can't remember which one it is. I know it's, I want to say it's in season two, but please do not quote me. Um, season three comes out soon. I believe it's in season two. This whole episode is set there camping. They have a campsite, him and his, and his apostles. So the disciples are there. Mary Magdalene is there. Um, Mary, his mother, Mary, is there. And they're all sitting around the campfire talking about Jesus. And Christ doesn't actually show up in this episode to the very, very end because he's off, off camera, off screen. 
blessing and healing people that had come and found where he was and were asking for healing blessings and things like that. And so they're all talking about like, well, when I was little, the way I was taught, it was in the, when the Messiah came, he was going to bring an army and, you know, basically obliterate the Roman Empire off the face of the earth. And he was going to be a warrior king and that he was going to then rule and reign the land, right? Um, and just talking about all these things and talking about Christ and about like, his divinity and like all this stuff is amazing things and then the very very end probably the last like two or three minutes of the episode christ comes walking back and you can obviously tell that he is in immense physical pain that he's like limping his feet are sore he's been on his feet all day walking around and you know it's been it's kind of uh, implied that he's been doing this all day like for hours and hours and hours he's been standing around walking around blessing people probably you know holding children and babies and whatever and you can see that he is just physically exhausted and it's this contrast of them talking about these amazing prophecies that had been about his divinity and everything that he was going to do and all this stuff and you see this man this human being walking in with very mortal <laughs> physical pain um and that has always stuck with me like it's been a while since i've watched the chosen it's been um like a year and a half i guess um and so i don't even remember like everything they talked about but i remember that point and being like oh this is the moment they realize he is a person um so i highly recommend the chosen I also, if you're interested, Sue Monk Kidd wrote a book called, she's written many books, the one I've read is called The Book of Longings, and it's from the perspective of the fictional wife of Christ. Of course, we don't know if he was married or not. We don't really have any records, yes or no, right? Um, but if he was to to marry, if he, if he did marry, it's from her point of view and like meeting him and marrying him and like her life and things and the culture and the world of like Rome around her where she was living and where she lived with Christ and where she lived other places like it's really really fascinating um, to see Christ as just a man like as just a man that she fell in love with and married and like all that stuff um <clears throat> and so i thought of that as well it was a really interesting you know i was expecting it to be more of like oh christ and divine and like all of this stuff and ended up being a very humble portrait of christ at the time and her not really understanding that he you know was the messiah <laughs> and like it just it was really interesting and so if that's something that you're interested in it is struggle fiction of course but she does a lot of um the author did she has credentials up the wazoo of historical knowledge of the time and just anyway so that was interesting so 
I've been talking for a while now and we're not even halfway through. Anyway, so, um, so he talks about that was it. That was a huge deal for them to spend time with Christ, to get to know Christ as a mission, as a family, individually. And he talks specifically about the parable in Mark 2, verse 1 through 12, of the friends bringing their friend sick with palsy and climbing up onto the roof and lowering him down. They have an episode of The Chosen with that, and it's it's a very emotional episode for me. <laughs> I'll just put it that way. Um, so he talks about that that that, that was a huge... Um, it was it was a very comprehensive site. Like they, they studied a lot as a mission. And so he tells a story and then he kind of recaps it in the way that he's come to understand it with, with further study and further um further study in books and like historical, like from a historical perspective, as we've just been talking about. Um I won't read all of that because it's like four or five paragraphs and you guys can read that yourself. But I will point out footnote 18. Um, he talks about, um, so so Christ was visiting this home and he was preaching and people found out that he was preaching there. And so they had come into the house and it filled like the room and also was flowing out onto the street. And... Um, I thought this was just a really interesting, like, as I was saying, like, context matters and understanding the culture and the world around what was happening in the New Testament. Um, he quotes from, it looks like a book called The Gospel of Mark by Barclay. He quotes it a couple times or references a couple times. Barclay explains that life in Palestine was very public. In the morning, the door of the house was opened and anyone who wished might come out and in. The door was never shut unless someone deliberately wished for privacy. An open door meant an open invitation for all to come in. In the humbler home, such as the one identified in Mark 2, must have been, there was no entrance hall. The door opened directly to the street. So in no time, a crowd had filled the house to capacity and jammed the pavement around the door. And they were all eagerly listening to what Jesus had to say. And I think that's just an interesting like little tidbit. Like it's, you don't need that to really understand what's going on. Cause you're like, oh, I, I, I can, I can picture that like a little, you know, house in Jerusalem or in Palestine, right? Um, we've seen enough Bible videos and like, and things like that. And we can have the imagination to, you know, see Christ standing in the home and with it filled and people like flowing out in the street, but just an extra like, an extra little layer to really understand that like that the, the house was just open and people were just walking in and being like yes this is Christ and they had, they had heard about him he was preaching that day and they come and filled the whole house and the whole street that was just an interesting little like extra extra tidbit there for you um and <clears throat> So, <clears throat> excuse me.
this is the very kind of the very end of his like explanation of how he has come to know it um he says consider that in the middle of what must have been a serious teaching moment jesus hears a scratching a scratching noise looks up and sees a growing hole in the ceiling as dust and thatch falls into the room a paralyzed man in a bed is then lowered to the floor remarkably jesus discerns that this is not an interruption but rather something that matters he looks at the man on the bed publicly forgives his sins and physically heals him and i i've also as a missionary and as somebody who enjoys the scriptures i love to think of scriptures very literally and also just in a very different way um or even just like the tone like when it says oh the lord said and to think of it in a way that is different than you know because it's in because it's in kind of this old english with these and thys and thous it can feel very like stately and staunch um and to think of it and be like oh yeah that must have been really strange to have you know christ standing in the middle of this room and it's full of the capacity of people and it's flowing out into the room and he's teaching and all of a sudden he looks up and there's like a hole in the ceiling and then this dude on a bed is just lowered in front of him and his friends are on the roof like you sick will you heal him please and you know one to be christ and be like oh wow there are people lower this poor woman's house <laughs> like this poor this poor person's house now has a hole in the roof um but for him to be like these to discern that they had taken so much um so much time and energy to carry him up onto the top of the roof break through the roof and you know these these friends to to go through that much effort to have their friend healed um and that he did and so he points out three truths from this story um the first is that when we help someone we love come into Christ, that we can have confidence that he has the capacity and the ability to heal and to lift them in a way that we don't always have the capacity to. The second is that when we bring physical, emotional, and other illnesses to Christ, he can also heal us. Um, and the third, <laughs> was when you make effort like before to bring others to Christ, we can do so with certainty that he sees our true intentions and will appropriately honor them. Um, which are all just really cool, right? Um, and he's, he goes on to say that the four friends also emphasize the spiritual importance of community and fellowship. And he says, each of us has a role to play in the kingdom of God. So he's talking about, you know, these four friends are, um, you know, all carrying a corner of this man's bed. And if one leaves, then it's harder for the other three. And if two leave, it's really hard for those two to, it's even harder. And, you know, three leave. Like we all have our roles to play. And he, um... He talks about the scriptures of, you know, um, 
talking about how the body of Christ, all of us are members of and parts of the body, and like the hand doesn't do what the eye does, the eye doesn't do what the hand does, and if you know it's we're body of Christ. If one of us fails, we all feel that failure. If all of us, if one of us rejoices, we all feel that rejoicing. Um, and so that's my second question: is what 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 is your role? What talents and spiritual gifts are unique to you and can help bring yourself and others to Christ? And it's hard when I th I think when we say talents and like spiritual gifts, we often think of something that's very visible. You know, like oh, I can play music, or I can write or I can, I'm an artist, but not even that. Those things are important too. Obviously we can use those, we can consecrate all of those to God, but also, you know, the gift of listening, the gift of, you know, mourning with those that mourn, of um, standing with those, standing comfort with those that need comfort. Like those are less tangible, but still immensely important nurturing, caring, presiding, leadership, like those things that not everybody has and that's okay. I am not an extroverted person, I'm very introverted. And so it takes a lot for me to do missionary work and like things like that, but I love to teach. And so I love teaching in primary and I taught um, youth Sunday school in our last ward. I loved teaching youth Sunday school. Um, those are the strengths. Those are the strengths that I, I am an artist. I love drawing and I love calligraphy and I love art. Um, my, my husband is a really, like, really good with his hands. He's, he loves fixing things. Like, he loves to figure out how things, something works and fix it. That's his gift. That is something that you can use to bring others to Christ. Like, you, we each have our role. We each have our position. Um, I think it's, it's important to know those and to see those in ourselves. So, <clears throat> um, the last quote I want to read, um, because it's very powerful. He says, um, at different times I have carried the corner of a bed and at other times I have been the one carried. Part of the power of this remarkable story of Jesus is that it reminds us just how much we need each other as brothers and sisters in order to come unto Christ and to be transformed. And <clears throat> as I know that as we, and I've, I've, I've experienced, as I've studied Christ's life and as I've spent time with him, I have grown as myself I have seen others grow themselves um, through my influence, through Christ's atonement, because I cannot do it myself. And, and as we seek to see Jesus who he was, we can learn so much from that. And I'm super excited that the New Testament is next year. The New Testament year, when, when it first started out, it was the first year of Come Follow Me, I was really bad at studying my scriptures. It was right before I went on my mission. And then I went on my mission. And as a mission, like as missionaries, we didn't study Come Follow Me super much, super much, all that much. English is hard. And our mission president, a couple of months into my mission was like, I want you to set aside 10 minutes of your companionship study to study Come Follow Me so that you can like at least converse 
with people on your mission about it and like fellow members and things like that. So we tried and there was so much that we were studying. There was so much that we were already working on. Um, so what I'm trying to say is I didn't get out of, I didn't get as much out of the Testament as I wish I would have then. And so I'm super excited to do it again next year and to be teaching primary and to, you know, have that layer on top of it as well as to, to be studying it for my students, um, for my kiddos who I adore. So, so the two questions are, how do you spend time with the Lord? And then what is your role? What, what spiritual gifts and talents do you have that can bring others and yourself to Christ? Um, this has been kind of a long episode, so I'm sorry if this is kind of dragged on, but I, I just, I had so much to say and there was so much that I thought about, um, it's just such a beautiful talk and I, of course, I could talk hours and hours about Jesus and like all of, all of the experiences I've had with my savior. Um, but I won't because that's literally what I do every week is I talk about for hours and hours about Jesus. So I will talk about some further study. There were quite a few talks uh, listed in this, like either quoted or put in footnotes. Um, so footnote four and footnote 18 were the two that I read to you, or I, I referenced footnote four and footnote 18 was the one I read to you. Footnote four was about the gospels. Um, so if you're interested in that. And footnote 18, was about the doors being open in Palestine. Uh, and then The Great Commandment by Joseph B. Worthlin was a, a 2007 general conference talk, which is the one he references at the very beginning. Hoping Christ by Emerson Ballard, Lift Where You Stand by Dieter F. Uchtdorf, um, and Rescue and Unity by Chi Hong Wong. Those last two he referenced in a footnote about the, like we each have our role to play um that the lift where you stand i remember that one that one was really good um or I, i've read it before but it's been a while so like i won't be able to tell you exactly what it talks about but those are all other things that you can look into if you're looking for further study wanting to understand this more so um yeah i'm super excited i'm super excited for these last couple of talks of this episode or of this uh session and i'll keep you guys updated about everything and i'll talk to you next time thank you so much for listening to and or watching <laughs> this episode of general conference conversations be sure to like and follow and share us on facebook and instagram and if you like the show please subscribe or leave a review and tell your friends and family. Also, a quick reminder that there is a physical study guide to go along with these videos. Uh, you can find that link in the description. Until next time.